I like to say that you can't really grow without input. It's, it's almost impossible. And who you get that input from matters. Welcome to the Writing Pursuits podcast, where authors like you discuss writing craft, author life, and book marketing strategies. I'm your host, Catherine McKee. I own Wordmarker Edits and write and produce the weekly newsletter Wordmarker Tips for Authors. In addition, I am a speculative fiction author. Writing Pursuits is for authors who drink too much coffee, endure judgmental looks from their furry writing companions, and struggle for words. If you are a writer seeking encouragement, information, and inspiration, this podcast is for you. Let's get to it. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome a special guest, H.L. Burke. H.L. Burke is the author of multiple fantasy novels, including the supervillain Rehabilitation Project series and Spellsman and Carver Steampunk series and Ashen. She is an admirer of the whimsical, a follower of the light and a believer in happily ever after. You can find out more about her at her website, hlburkeauthor.com with an E. That will be in the show notes. Heidi, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You're taking time out of your evening. I might mention again because I forgot to hit the record button. And so I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> it's okay. Wonderful. It happens. It's, it's wonderful <laughs> to meet you online. You know, that's podcasting. Podcasting, you have to kind of roll with the flow. And sometimes you forget to hit the record button. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel as though I know you a little bit since we're both members of Realm Makers and I'm familiar with your Fellowship of Fantasy site and also the Facebook groups that go with it. But today I'd like to talk first about your book. It's called Power On. And what is that about and who is it for? So Power On is a superhero story. Uh, it's a YA series, so it's kind of directed at teens. Um, probably 13 to 19. It involves the story of a group of young troubled teens in various ways. Uh, the main character is Jake. He's the nephew of a supervillain family who he's been raised since he was about 12 to do supervillain stuff with his gang. And he gets caught on a mission and sent to reform camp. <laughs> and it's his story oh. about how he's, he's trying to learn how to fit in with normal kids for the first time, how to not be a supervillain. Um, he's, he's a little reluctant to, to reform. <laughs> I bet. I bet. And that's coming out October the 9th. And that's in a series, right? It's the first in the new series. So it's part of a connected universe. I've got the uh, supervillain rehabilitation series, which is the uh, older version of that. They have some shared characters and they take place in the same world, which is basically our world, but superheroes. And this is a spinoff, so it can be read independently, but it, it is the same world and some characters cross over. That's fantastic. And that's a great way to write a story, a series where you're not having to exactly read them in order if you can't get a hold of them. Of course, all of these are available on Amazon, so you could do them in order without much problem. But still, I intend to, to jump in with Power On. And uh, just get, you know, get my feet wet and then then run back to the beginning of the ride. October 9th, that's coming out this Saturday. That's the, the launch date. And then this podcast episode will come out right after that. So it'll still be brand new. I hope everybody goes out and gets their copy. I hope so too. <laughs> yeah. So what made you start writing about superheroes? I watch a lot of Marvel movies. Honestly, the first time I got an idea to do a superhero series was when I was watching the Edward Norton Hulk movie. And apparently I was bored because I was rewriting it in my head. 
Um, oh. And the other Marvel movies, I mostly like all of them, but that one didn't do it for me. And uh, so I, I had this idea for like two lead characters who I kind of carried with me for quite some time. I think that was like, whew, gosh, how long ago was Edward Norton's Hulk? But 15 years? A bit. It's yeah. been a bit. So I, I was carrying that with me for some time. And then uh, late last year, no, the year before last, 2019, I started working on writing it finally. And it kind of took off and took over. And I, I know the tropes really well for this genre, just because I've, I've been involved with it in one way or another since I was very young watching Batman. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. right. So it just, just kind of came naturally to me. So it it's taken on a life it's alone. I, I joke the superheroes have me captive and they won't let me go because I've written nine books, I think, so far in that, that war universe. Yeah. And I know you've written steampunk and some other things, yeah. right? I, I make a joke that I've made a career out of chasing shinies because I do switch genres quite a bit. I've gone from like romantic fairy tale fantasy to steampunk to epic to more dramatic romantic fantasy to steampunk with magic to now superheroes. And I just kind of keep going after the exciting things. Well, now, how do you learn the tropes, the expectations of each of those different like flavors of fantasy fiction? To an extent, they're all something that I've read at some point. Um, some of them, like Marvel comes out of movies. Uh, I watch a lot of, of Marvel movies, but right. steampunk is very much just an aesthetic that you can put on top of a lot of things. It's almost like a veneer um, that can be applied to multiple different subgenres. So I do that kind of my own beats. And I feel like I've just absorbed a lot of fiction over my life um, from one way or another. So I, I, right. I'm not as, as prolific a reader as I used to be. I, I joke that when my daughter learned to reach up and grab a book out of my hand when she was breastfeeding was about the beginning of the end for me. <laughs> but I still try to read. <laughs> read. Um, I, I think I aim for about 40 books a year. So Wow. No, I don't get that many. Um, unless you count the ones I edit. So, uh, you know. <laughs> I count the ones I better read. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Well, there, there you go. There you go. So I'm getting some credit for that. One of the things I also want to talk about was your Fellowship of Fantasy website. How did you get that started and why do you keep it up? So that sprang out of uh, a group called Clean Indie Fantasy, which in turn sprang out of a group called Clean Indie Reads. Uh, Clean Indie Reads was a, it's a really great group group of indie authors who they try to write flinch-free fiction that doesn't have a lot of like explicit content in it. And I was a member. I remember that group. Unfortunately, it, while it's a great group, a lot of times some of the uh, advice people were getting was not very genre targeted, uh, especially in terms of covers. A lot of times fantasy authors would put covers up and they'd be getting, oh, this is so great. This is so beautiful. And it would be a typical woman on the cover on a filled background or a couple hugging. And I'm like, well, what genre is it? And it's like, oh, it's urban fantasy. And I'm like, well, you can't tell that. This looks like a romance, which is why the romance authors really love it. But if you right. want to reach this audience... <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I just felt that there was a need for a more focused uh, group as far as genre goes. So I, I created Clean Indie Fantasy as a spinoff. And from there, we decided we wanted to have some reader outreach because Clean Indie Fantasy is about author outreach. It's about trading tips. It's not about selling books, but you do need to meet your audience and combining forces of other authors in the same niche as you, niche, niche, to niche. Uh, niche. <laughs> 
Niche. Niche, niche, niche. One of those. Yeah, one of those things, Nick. It's a good way to meet people, uh, meet your readers. And like, so we we started doing an author outreach. We started a Facebook page. We started a book club. And then we started the website, which has a directory and new release posts and stuff that readers can go and find out about fantasy books that are PG-13 or under in rating. Okay, so that's fellowshipoffantasy.com for our listeners. And it's a great looking site. I really like the idea of cooperation, if you will, of authors who write similar, they're not similar to each other, but they're similar in their values. They're similar in their audience. And I think that's a, because you can't write 10 books in a year. Well, most people can't. You can't write 10 books in a year by yourself, but you can help someone else who's written a book while you're writing yours, you know. So I think that's a, a great way to, to operate. Yeah. And in between the Amazon also box, which are dependent on, you know, they sell people your book based on what other books that your book has been read next to. Right. Or things like author swaps and newsletters, because like you said, um, most no author is ever going to be able to write enough books to keep up with the more aggressive readers because, you know, there are, there are readers, if you go to Goodreads, there's some people are piling on a couple hundred books a year. And yeah, I don't, I can't, but even if you're, even if they're only reading a book a week or a book a month, it's going to be hard to keep up with them. So other authors really aren't competition. It's like, their books don't prevent your book from being read. I agree. Yeah. It's an abundance mindset, but I think it's a, a true to life mindset. So you're better off finding partnerships. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty of readers to go around. I don't think that you have to corner the market as it were. That's also a great way to support indie authors. And um, indie authors actually have a really big place in my heart because I am one. Yeah. And I know that you are too, although I believe you're a hybrid author too. Yeah, I have uh, four books of Uncommon Universes Press, which is a small press. And then the majority of my other books, uh, which is 25 plus at this point, are, are self-published. So. That's great. I wanted to um, ask you, where did you get Theodore the Dragon? So my daughter got him for me. So there is a small bookstore, independent bookstore in my hometown called Clint's. It's kind of claim to claim is that they're the oldest continuously operating bookstore in um, at least the state, but I think they also claim west of the Mississippi. And they also have like novelty items. And when my daughter was like seven or eight, my mom took her birthday shopping for me because we were visiting at the time, I think between moves. Took her to the bookstore, probably assuming she was going to get me a book. And Corin's like, no, mom wants this dragon. And Corin, of course, was right. And the dragon now goes with me on many adventures and poses for Instagram pics and, you know, meets celebrities if he can. <laughs> So listeners, please go look for at Burt's Dragons on Instagram. Follow Heidi and watch Theodore on come up in the photos because he's great. He always looks a little bit surprised and he also kind of looks judgmental. He's a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Dragons are the cat, the cats of the fantasy world. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I kind of wish they really, well, they do. I'm not going to say they don't. because I'm a fantasy author. And now for a word from our sponsor. This episode of Writing Pursuits is brought to you by Wordmarker Edits, trusted by fiction authors since 2014 to take their writing to a new level of excellence. From developmental edits and coaching to the finer points of line editing, copy editing, and proofreading, we help you prepare your story for the journey ahead. For more information, go to wordmarkeredits.com. And now, back to Writing Pursuits. 
I was going to ask because you do anthologies and so forth that are fantastic. And you also uh, write fantasy and we kind of live in that world of speculative fiction. What would be your advice for new authors in this genre? I like to say that you can't really grow without inputs. It's, it's almost impossible. And who you get that input from matters. Like I mentioned the clean indie reads where you get some maybe off genre advice from people who are maybe very, very good at what they do, but they don't know what you're trying to do. And they don't know what your audience expects. They don't know what your audience has tolerances for. So for instance, if you're writing a romance novel, if you have an unhappy ending, you've basically failed. If the couple doesn't end in a marriage, that's a failure in a romance. That's not necessarily the case in all fantasy genres. They can have some pretty bittersweet endings. Right. So there's a that's a major difference. And so you have to know not just what the advice is, but if it's right for your book and for what you're trying to do. So getting advice from people who are familiar with your book's genre and who are familiar with your readers and maybe even are your readers, that's what you want to look for when you're getting started. So when you go to find uh, beta readers, you're really looking for people that already read your kind of book. And when you're finding critique partners, perhaps you're looking for authors who also write your kind of book uh, so that they know the, I, I hate to call them rules, but there's certainly expectations and they expect certain tropes to appear. And we just come expecting a certain sort of flavor to the book. And also, like you say, you don't necessarily have to have that happy ending. It's not boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl in the end. You know, it's not a formula. It's not that simple. Yeah, fantasy is way more flexible than formula than, say, mystery or romance. Even mystery and romance, there's some trope busters who will break those things. But overall, I feel that fantasy is a way more flexible genre than uh, some of the more standard genres. So how did you get started with writing? I was always the person who was, as a kid, even before I could write, I would bring my mom a pen and say, here, would you write down this story about rabbits for me? And then I would draw the pictures beneath it. And I just kept that up. Even before I knew it was a career option, I would write short stories for my friends and myself about the things that we would do. Like I'd take our our imaginative play and I'd put it to words. And I was always kind of the writer in my group. I didn't start writing professionally until I was in my late 20s. And we just moved from Iwakuni, Japan to Pennsylvania. My husband was in the Marines at the time. And uh, we had a four-year-old, a nine-month-old, a new puppy, and we just moved internationally. And I thought, well, now I'm going to do NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month, (laughs) which is where you try to write a novel in one month. Because before that, I had taken a break and was just doing some mommy blogging and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I I wasn't trying to write books, book-length material anymore. NaNoWriMo is a great place to start. There's, I hate to say, there's kind of a a low bar in one place and a high bar in the other. The high bar is the 50,000 words and the low bar is you can write anything and that's fine. Yeah. You you can literally just fill it up with like write fight scene here later if you're in a hurry. (laughs) And I may have done that before. because you, it, you don't want anything to stop you. It's like if there's a roadblock, it, it teaches you to not get hung up on those little things that might have stopped you dead. It's like, it's okay to skip over that part and come back to it later, just as long as you keep moving. And I, I feel that's the best lesson you get from it. It's just how to keep moving. <laughs> 
You know, I talk about that in the episode six called The Popcorn Method. I learned it from Janice Thompson. And, and it's like you kind of have these scenes that you you want in the book. And she said, basically, when you hit a roadblock in one place, don't stop. Go to the next one. And just right there. And then eventually you're going to be able to connect them and use your imagination to get them together. I really believe that insert fight scene here is actually a really great strategy. And, and as long as you keep moving, I mean, because yeah. I think that's what a lot of people do is they, they get to a place where they can't imagine the next scene and they can't and they'll stop for weeks and weeks at a time when maybe they don't need to you know that was one of my biggest problems when I was a beginning writer was I would churn so I would go back to that chapter I wrote yesterday and I would basically rewrite it and then the next day I'm and I might read a write a little bit more but it was very slow progress because I wanted the last chapter to be perfect before I moved on and I learned that you just you cannot do that. If you're going to get to the end, you have got to move on. Yeah. Who was it? It was Michael Crichton. He was saying you, books aren't written. They're rewritten. I think it was him that said it. Yeah. As Shannon Hells is the, uh, remember you're shoveling sand to build castles later. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. So NaNoWriMo. And then you went on and which book was your first book? So my first book was uh, The Dragon and the Scholars book one, which is Dragon's Curse. It's the story of a kingdom where the king has gotten to a tussle. He, his brother was killed with drug by a dragon. So he's desperate to avenge him by killing all dragons, but he ends up getting mauled by dragons when he tries to do that. Um, so he's recovering from his wounds and he sends for a healer who is a scholar named Shannon. And she comes to heal him. And while she's there trying to get him to recover from his wounds, this dragon settles down on the hilltop, like right in spinning distance from the castle, almost like taunting the king. And the king wants that dragon dead. And so this knight says, well, you can't fight the dragon because you're crippled right now, but I can fight the dragon if I can marry her. And then Shannon's like, uh, no. <laughs> and she decides to sneak. I didn't get consulted. Yeah. She, so she's like, decides to sneak around the king's back and consult with the dragon and try to negotiate it to maybe at first try to get it to just leave. But then the, she ends up befriending the dragon and trying to stop it from getting killed because she one doesn't want to marry the knight. And on the other hand, she also just wants to, you know, keep her new friend alive. I like that premise. It's a, it's a different twist on the damsel in distress. She finds her own way. I love that. She works herself out of a corner and you can't pick the guy for me. Thanks. No, it doesn't work usually. <laughs> so did that have a romantic element in it somewhere, somehow, or was it the anti-romance? It does have a romantic element, but it's a huge spoiler who her love interest is. Um, oh, okay. So I can't really get into it. <laughs> so we'll just walk away. You have to read it. You have to read it. Well, speaking of that, I want to read Power On just as soon as I can get my hands on it. I hope it's a great jumping off place for your series. I really know it will be. It is a good start, yeah. And uh, it's just my speed. I really like superhero fiction. I, like you, I've watched all the Marvel movies. Some are much better than others. They're very uneven, in my opinion. Yeah, I find, though, everyone has a different one that they think is better than the others. It's 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 so personal. It's like my husband likes Iron Man 3, and I like Captain Marvel, and we both are like, that one? <laughs> that one? Really? You chose yeah. that one? <laughs> I have trouble uh, just saying which one's my favorite because every time I think of one, I think of another. They made so many. Quite a few. <laughs> really so prolific. How did they do it? It was just like one after the other, I guess. Billions of dollars of resources. <laughs> there you go. I know that's true. I know that's true. So 
if money were no object, what, how would you spend your days? I would still write. I would have a lot more cats. (laughs) (laughs) There would be a huge cat palace in my house and I would just go visit them daily. (laughs) So how many do you have? I just have the one. Uh, his name is Brownie Bite. He's very small. Um, oh. Yeah. And I, I had Bruce, Bruce Wayne before Brownie Bite. And he was kind of my 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 best friend ever. Back when we were right. in military house and you can only have two pets. So I had Bruce Wayne oh. and my husband had a German Shepherd. Mm. We still have the German Shepherd. We've added on a Border Collie at my daughter's request. And uh, Bruce passed away from feline leukemia a couple of years ago. So we have Brownie Bite instead now. And so what does Brownie Bite look like? He's a brown tabby. He's the one in the pictures, right, on Instagram? Yeah, you'll see him from there. He's he's very oh. small and slinky, and he's got this amazing cinnamon roll-type markings on his coat. So, <laughs> Okay, yeah, then I've seen him. He's kind of like orange, isn't he? Or is he brown? He's brown, but he's got kind of like these golden umber hi- highlights. I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, the vet asked me if he was part Bengal, which is like a designer breed cat, and I'm like, no, he is a probably inbred farm cat. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's where we picked him up from my uncle's barn. And, <laughs> and I'm like, there's there's no way there was a $1,000 Bengal cat <laughs> prancing around out there making babies. There just isn't. <laughs> there was no involvement there. <laughs> no. There's often the best cats. I We uh, have three rescue dogs in our house. My husband, unfortunately, is allergic to cats, so... I had to give it cats for my marriage, (laughs) but um, he's worth it. So, (laughs) but he's let me have rescue dogs instead. Yeah. I I like my border collie. I do prefer the cats, but the border collie is a nice, nice touch. (laughs) So active. Oh my goodness. They're just needy. He's, he's neurotic. If you don't give him full attention, he'll be like sneaking right up to your face. Like, hi. (laughs) Well, hello. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You pop up. There's whoop. There he is. (laughs) So um, I think that's it for today. I just want to thank you so much because I know this is interview too. Find Heidi at hlburkauthor.com. Also check out fellowshipoffantasy.com to find a lot of great books to read. I look forward to reading your book and also seeing many more of your books in the future. Thank you and have a great evening, Heidi. I appreciate it. You too. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and follow the podcast. If you're new around here, I hope you will join the Writing Pursuits author community for more content and to receive word marker tips for authors. That link and all the links mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes at writingpursuits.com. Please join us on Wednesdays for new episodes. And keep writing, my friends. Keep writing.